This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ, this is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Hope I'm saying this correctly. Samuel Say, thank you for joining me in the trenches. You said it perfectly, and uh, it's an honor. I said it correctly. Samuel Say, it sounds almost Asian. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I had never met anybody with my, with my name before until um, uh, I moved to Canada. And then outside of my family, of course. And the very first person I met that had the same name I had was this Asian guy. I think he was Korean. <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> what is happening here? So I know that I know that my name is not native to Ghana or Africa. Um, from what I understand, it is European, and perhaps the Europeans, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I. I, I think I've heard something about how it's originally Dutch or German or maybe French, but then they, whoever they were, they moved to Britain and then through Britain, they, I'm sure, you know, obviously came to Ghana and then <laughs> I suppose, you know, you know, South Korea as well too. So I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> Your background sounds about as confusing as mine. Yes. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't think so about looking at me, you know, but who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, and I might have some Korean in me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when people hear that I'm from Africa, they, they go, well, why aren't you black? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, 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 it reminds me of uh, one of the popular memes going around about um, the, uh, the greatest African-American of all time, and that being Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, you know, I know we had, we had talked uh, about it earlier before we, uh, we came on. Is that um you know being African is not about skin color right? Which is one of the reasons why I find even um, the whole idea about African Americans weird because yes. being African is not about someone's skin skin color. It's about you're from Africa, yes. right? And you're African, so it's not a skin color issue. It's a it's um it's about where, you know where you are. Yeah. You know, um, why is why is there a prefix? What what's wrong with just saying black? You know it's it's because of um. People being politically correct. Uh, I think it was actually initiated by, um, oh man, forgetting his name, um, Reverend Jesse Jackson uh, mm. in the US. And he, I think, it was back in the early 80s or maybe 70s. And he wanted, you know, to move over from the idea of being a Negro or being black. And he wanted, like many people, uh, he wanted to connect black Americans. Uh, and again, I always say black Americans and African. Americans. Mm. In a sense, I guess, I mean, I, I just moved to America, but when I become an American citizen, I guess I will be an African American because I'm actually from Africa and I'm in America. But he yes. wanted to connect the black Americans to the African um, ancestry. But but if you ask many Amer many black Americans today, they will tell you that, well, they're not African. Um, so it's just very woke. Um, you know, Afro-conscious idea that really makes no sense. That is now being forced into other people. Now you have Asian Americans, you have all these, you know, Latino Americans, you have all these, um, you know, these things that is not helping anybody whatsoever. I, I suppose I would be African-African. <laughs> <laughs> 
I suppose so. I suppose so. Um, Samuel, when I uh, do this podcast, I normally drink whiskey, but because we're talking about Christianity, I'm drinking wine. <laughs> well, hey, see, I I don't drink. Uh, I mean, I, I'll I'll drink alcohol once in a while, but I'm one of those weird guys who thinks it tastes awful. Right. I think it tastes awful. However, however, it is not, you know, it it is, you know, in Christianity, you're free to drink and eat whatever you would like, including, of course, whiskey. Um, But yes, just letting you know, if you wanted to drink whiskey, you're fine. But but of course, wine is okay too. (laughs) Well, Jesus drank wine. So that if it's good enough for him, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Amen. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. You're. You're, you mentioned a little bit about your background. Uh, you've got a website called Slow to Write. You've got some absolutely hilarious articles. Um, I'll touch on a couple of them. But what is your general bio? Yeah, um, I I was born in Ghana. I was um, you know it's in West Africa. Um, it's um, you know I, I I grew up there. Um, I was raised by my, my by my mother. I was there um, till 10 years old, and then I moved to Canada when I was, uh, yeah, well, 10. Um, I was there for, I guess, 25 years until I just married my American now wife uh, just earlier this year in April, and uh, I moved here. Um, Her moving to Canada would be very difficult for her as an American because of what was happening. Uh, with you know the COVID issue and everything else in Canada, so um, to, to that's you know that's my background you know in, in that sense. But um, as you know, you've mentioned I'm a, I'm a Christian. That plays a big role in, of course, my life. That is who I am at my core. More than more than being an African or anything, I'm I'm a Christian. Uh, I've been born again by Christ, and um, you know He is my Lord, and I'm uh, and I serve Him. So I became a Christian when I was 19, and then when I was, um, I was, I was actually a high school dropout. I didn't actually didn't get my high school diploma till just last last summer. Um, uh, but when I became a Christian at 19, after I had dropped out, I had a real uh, passion to understand theology and understand um, how Christianity should influence how I think about everything. So as I started caring more about culture, social issues, and politics. I uh, I created my blog Slow to Write so that I could help influence uh, Christians and other people to think in a biblical manner concerning all the issues in the world, including critical race theory and um, other issues as well, like abortion. Do you think Christianity is under attack in the West? Oh, absolutely. Um, There is no doubt about that. Um, Being in Canada, for for example, um, you know, with even concerning COVID, um, you had um, in the past, you know, when we had um, when we had certain, uh, I'm forgetting the name now. Um, oh man, this is the flu from the the original flu from uh, 19, 1918. I'm forgetting here. Spanish. Uh, Spanish flu, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, you had the government respecting churches in the way they, don't, they didn't respect them now, where they would simply ask the churches that, hey, here's what we think is best um, for our society. If you could, if you could close down your churches for now or limit it, that is, uh, you know, that would be helpful. But they didn't tell the church what to do. Now they're in Canada. They were arresting pastors and put them in jail. Uh, one of my friends, uh, James Coates, um, was arrested 
because he was defying the laws because he was saying, no, I'm a pastor. My job is to take care of people, not just their bodies, but their souls. Uh, you know, people were suffering. Um, there were there were uh, reports that came out that um, the only people who were not suffering from mental, uh, would not have any mental health issues in light of COVID, uh, generally anyways, were the people who were going to church at least once a week. So he's like, look, people are more than just their bodies. They have souls and I need to take care of them. And yet the church, um, uh, you know, his church was closed down, uh, forced by the government and that he was arrested. And then you also have, again, in Canada, especially, of course, this is happening across the West as well too, but especially in Canada, uh, where I'm from, they, they just passed the conversion therapy ban, which essentially said that it is a criminal offense to try to, to, um, to, to convince or to basically it's it's an offense now criminal offense to not affirm someone's homosexuality or uh so-called transgenderism um yeah that is what? bill c4 yeah that's bill c4 um australia has it too some places in america are trying to make that uh, law as well too and what that means is of course is if you are a christian if you're a pastor for example and someone comes to you and you say hey um you know as a Christian who believes in the Bible, uh, I need to tell you that I believe that homosexuality is sin and that transgenderism is sin, and therefore I want to help you so that you can you can um, you can affirm that you know that you are made in the image of God and and who you are is who God created you to be. Therefore, do not be anything other than who He created you to be. If you say that. It's a criminal offense where you can be fined. I'm forgetting exactly what the fine is, but it's a severe amount. And you can be sent to jail up to five years. So it's a criminal offense now in Canada. And that is, a, again, a clear indication that biblical... In fact, in the in the bill, they, 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 they frame biblical sexuality as a myth. So that, that in of itself is a, an attack on uh, Christian values. And it's happening in Australia. It's happening again in in some states in the US and across Europe as well too. What's interesting is that um, it's not really happening in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I was having a talk with a friend of mine and we had a, uh, a good, you know, a, a good laugh about mainline churches in the West. Now those would be the liberal churches, right? Those would be the churches who've embraced all the all the woke ideas out there, all the you know leftist liberal ideas, and how these denominations they have churches in Africa, and the African church says no 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 no, you can keep your your views in where where you're from, but even though we are in your de denomination, we are not going to accept your progressive ideas, and it's always fascinating. It happens in almost every situation. Um, the African churches are not embracing this stuff. In Ghana, they're trying so hard to do that. It's not going to happen. Um, at least, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, things stay the way they are because, of course, the West is. They talk about colonialism all the time, but they're really trying to force their views on uh, on African, uh, especially African churches. And I hope that doesn't happen. Is it possible to be a woke Christian? Mm. Um. Yes and no. That's a great question. It's it's possible in the sense that someone could be a genuine Christian and through compromising, through through temporarily not thinking through what woke 
wokeness is. It's possible for someone because because so as a Christian, I can say that woke you know wokeness is sin. Wokeness is contrary to what God calls us to do or to be. But um, but Christians do sin. As a Christian, um, I've been a Christian since I was 19. I'm 35 now. I have committed sexual sin in the past. I have lied before. I have um, I have done ungodly things. I have sinned, and I repent from those things. Nevertheless, I have done those things and until Christ returns, until I die and I'm in heaven and I have a glorified body after Christ returns. I am not. Um, I, I will. I will always. You know, I will continue to sin. So I say that. You know. Uh, to say that since Christians can sin, a Christian can be woke as well, too. But can they stay woke? No. Uh, in the sense that, you know, while I repent from lying, a Christian should also repent from being woke as well. And if someone does not repent from being woke, then it's a sign that they're not truly uh, believers. Because you can, a Christian can embrace some forms of wokeness in a sense uh, for a time in terms of, being woke on, you know, embracing critical race theory and things like that, um, at least in a soft version. But if they truly understand its implications and if they act on it, which would be partiality or prejudice against um, non, you know, people basically who are white, that is racist, that's sin, and that's wrong. Of course, you know, a Christian can also not embrace transgenderism um, or homosexuality and all these things or being Marxist, those are incompatible with our Christian beliefs. So temporarily someone can embrace that. I know people who have, but over time, as they grow in their faith, they will come to reject uh, uh, wokeism. I think any sane person should reject should reject all of those things. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, um, you know, Someone with common sense, someone with wisdom um, should absolutely see uh, wokeness for what it is. But unfortunately, uh, common sense is not so common uh, a lot these days. You mentioned critical race theory. And uh, in front of me, I've got one of your your articles. Um, it's about a book called uh, White Fragility. Why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. And I've seen that book, but I love your opening paragraph. Can I read it? It says, yeah. When I was a boy in Ghana, I once had a massive nail pierce through my foot and I suffered through a makeshift surgery by my mom without anesthesia. And that was significantly more enjoyable than reading this book. <laughs> you know, when, when you first said that I have some hilarious articles, I was like, what is he talking about? I'm trying to be serious. I, and then, I'll, okay, that it must be that article. That must be what you're referring to. Yes, I, it's interesting. Um, so I actually shared, so I, I, I read that book. I was not planning on doing a review um, on my blog because I did not want to have to go through that book again and figure out how to write a review on it. So I just shared a tweet. And that tweet it was is the opening statement in our article. That's all I said, and it went viral. It had like twenty thousand, uh, you know, likes and I don't know five thousand retweets or whatever. People were like, no, 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 you don't. You have to write this review. <laughs> so, uh, and I was being honest. I, you know, I, I that is it's a true story. In that uh, when I was a kid, I was playing uh, tag um, in an abandoned building in in Ghana, and I jumped over a window trying not to get tagged 
And then um, as I jumped, I saw a nail sticking out and my foot just went right in it. And being in Africa, we were not, I mean, we could not afford uh, going to a hospital. And my mom, my, my incredible mom just got all the neighborhood men and they, they, you know, just put me down and she got, yeah, she got a knife and cut it. And yeah, it was, oh yeah. Oh, it was brutal. (laughs) Trust me. Like I'm saying that I I didn't, I didn't go in detail in in that, but yeah, she cut it and she put the alcohol in there and, it, I was screaming in pain. Everyone in the neighborhood came to figure out what was happening. I was screaming. There was blood everywhere. That was I would I would have I would willingly suffer that every day of my life so that I don't have to read that book again. I have that book here. I have I've I've uh, people have asked me to do talks on it. I, I I hate that book with a passion. It's an it's a really painful book to read. It's painful because it's Ill- illogical. It is nauseating. It is. It is so smug. Um, she is. It's it, it, it's insane. The whole book is ridiculous. But unfortunately, as I, I mentioned in in the article, it became. It's still, I think, the best selling book on racism over the last five years, and it's incredible. Not in a good way. What? Very quickly. Let's not spend much time on it. But very quickly, what is it about? So. White fragility basically says that the reason why white people do not readily believe accusations of racism is because they are fragile. That's basically what it says, that the only reason why a white person would say, no, I am not racist, is because they are racist and they are too fragile to accept that accusation. And any question, any defense, any any reason, again, so it doesn't matter. Any reason for um, any basis whatsoever for someone to question that accusation is because they are being fragile. So then one of the things I said in the book is, well, okay, if I then say she's being, not in the book, but in my review, if I say that Robin D'Angelo is a racist, she can't defend herself. She has to accept it, right? Because in her view, if she defends herself, then she's being racist. So it's so ridiculous, right? Um, it's, but it's, it's, it's cyclical. I mean, it's, it's circular. So exactly, if, if, exactly. if you say, no, I'm not racist, then she'll say, oh, but that's because you are racist. Exactly. So then I have to say, okay, exactly. then I am racist. Oh, okay, but you see, there you go, you are racist. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's a, it's a juvenile argument. It's so stupid. <laughs> and yet this book was being, it was being read in churches. I mean, it, it, it was shocking. It was the the number of so-called intellectuals and theologians who were like, this book is amazing. It really addresses human nature, especially white nature. Like, what are you talking about? I'm reading this book, and I was genuinely trying to find something good here. I thought maybe there was some interesting argument here. No, Mm. it's an awful, awful book. Jesse Lee Peterson, um, he, he argues pretty much that racism doesn't exist. And I find that a very interesting argument. You know, it's interesting because I, okay, so I'll, I'll answer in two ways. I do think that there are people who more hate black culture um, than who hate the black skin in of itself. There, there are very, very few people, if anybody out there who actually really hates black skin 
in fact, of course, I'm not really black, right? You know, this is brown, right? Nevertheless, whatever. No one really, very few people would, there's some people who might be envious of that skin. There's there are some black people who might truly be self-hating that they might hate their skin color, although that's extremely rare. Uh, and there are some people out there who, because of certain experiences, whenever they see a black person, they're reminded of a certain experience and they hate that person or people like, like me or uh, or black people in general. So I do think that, you know, racism, if it really means hating someone because of their skin color, it's very, very rare. But of course there are people who do have that prejudice against people who have that skin color because of various uh, reasons that are both unjustifiable, but nevertheless various reasons. And yet I do think racism is common but not against black people. Well, in a sense, again, black people, yes, but in a different way. There is a low bigotry of low expectations. So for example, in White Fragility, it's an extremely racist book in, in two ways. One, because, um, you know, for, for example, in the book, not to spend too much time on that horrible book, but she mentions that, you know, and she thinks this is a good thing to say. She says that, well, as a white person, because of her white privilege, she expects that whenever she goes to a high class museum, she won't expect black. She won't. She won't. She won't be seeing black people there, right? It's it's laughable. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying you don't expect to see any black person at a wealthy, a wealthy event because you think all black people are poor? Yeah, black people don't like art, but you know they don't no, like art. I mean, yeah. Exactly. It, it's racist, right? It's stupid, right? But, but you know, but people see this, wow, that's profound. That's true. No, it's not. And then on the other way, it's also racist because she is, uh, in a book, she, she says that um, a positive white identity is an impossible goal. She's being racist towards herself and, of course, all white people. So in that sense, racism is very common today in that there is that low bigotry of low expectations, sorry, bigotry of, of um, low expectations for black people, right? Which harms black people. And there's also, you know, people, you know, people call me an uncle Tom all the time, um, which is racist racism uh, towards me because of my skin color. Mm. Um, and then of course, there's also racism against white people, which is incredibly common now. And that's really concerning to me. It's really concerning in many ways. One, because everyone thinks it's fine. You know, it's open season on white people. And yet, well, it's pretty risky also to really be um, prejudiced against the majority. At some point, at some point, some angry white people are going to have, are going to say enough is enough. Honestly, I'm, I think one of the biggest signs that racism is not as common as it used to be, at least in terms of white people against black people or anti-black racism is that during the riots in America and also a little bit in Canada as well too, I was expecting for some angry white people to just come to the neighborhoods and just start shooting people. You're talking about the George, that. the George Floyd thing. So, yeah. Yeah. The George Floyd thing. Yeah. Didn't happen. Didn't mm -hmm. happen whatsoever. If that happened in the 19, if the, the riots happened in 1950s or 60s, <laughs> It wouldn't even happen whatsoever because there's no way that anyone would have that boldness to go out there and destroy communities 
knowing there'd be no consequences. So anyway, it's a long, it's a long uh, reply to your question, but uh, I think that in some sense, racism is high against certain kinds of black people um, um, or especially against white people. But I would say that overall, at least the way the world people say it is, it is not as common as they say, of course. I'm obviously going to be asking you in a moment about uh, Black Lives Matter, but before I do that, I've got a party trick, which uh, some of my viewers will probably be bored by, but have you got an iPhone? Uh, yeah. Okay, so you can even try this. Have you asked Siri if Black Lives Matter? So I'm gonna do it right now, take a listen. Hey Siri, do Black Lives Matter? Yes, Black Lives Matter. Okay, wait. Hey Siri, do all lives matter? I appreciate your interest in politics, but it's not a part of my programming. This is a good conversation to have with a fellow human. Wow. I, I think I have heard of that before, <laughs> but I have not seen it myself. And that's that's... <laughs> that's interesting that's very very interesting um you know in, in a way in a way it's not surprising although it's still jarring um to to hear that because of course siri being controlled by apple apple being i, I i'm pretty sure apple is one of the organizations uh, that brought in um uh, brought in Robin d'angelo or people like her to come you know do the you know, anti-racism trainings and everything and too. So it's not a real a big surprise that they would be as woke as they are. I mean, all these big musicians are, but that is that is quite pathetic. Black Lives Matter obviously don't care about black lives. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it reminds me of, um, I know we'll talk about abortion uh, later, but it reminds me of that video of the black man who was walking by uh, a group of um, pro-abortion, no, I think it was a group of uh, Black Lives Matter protesters, and he simply said, "Do all Black Lives Matter?" And all these, you know, people out there protesting, including white people, said, "Yeah, yeah." And then he said, "Do Black babies matter?" And he, they they got very quiet, and he said, and he said, "Thought so," and he just walks away. <laughs> That's um, outstanding. So outstanding. They were like, they were quiet. And he made his point and he just walked away. It was brilliant. Um, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't care about black lives. They don't care about whether it's babies. They don't care about whether, they don't care about even the you know, George Floyd or anybody else. Because George Floyd, let, let's be honest here. If you really care about George Floyd's life, you would say, don't be a criminal, right? That's, that, it, it is a fact. But they won't say that. They won't say the things that would actually save George Floyd from dying. They won't say, don't do drugs. They wouldn't say any of those things. They are ne they aren't around at all. And even uh, as we know, all the money they receive, the millions of money they receive, they don't use to help black people. They buy mansions with it uh, in so-called white neighborhoods as well too. They don't care about black lives. Uh, they use they simply use it as a cunning phrase to make l a lot of money. And it really is the most cunning phrase in the probably in the history of politics. Yeah, it's genius. You know, I think, um, you know, you it's, referenced it's my, very good. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I keep saying that even, even me as a black person, right, 
I even have to say, when I say I don't support Black Lives Matter, I'm not saying I'm not supporting people like myself, right? Black people. That's not what I'm saying. And even that alone goes to show how mm. powerful, you know, the, the slogan is. That yeah. you even have to explain what you really mean by it is why it's so effective. Uh, yeah, because yet, you can't say, yeah, you can't say, well, I disagree with that. Exactly. Exactly. It's it, it's a brilliant, uh, cunning phrase, and yet, of course, they're very, very evil. Uh, they don't care whatsoever about black people at all. They're they're mm -hmm. a Marxist group. I mean, even in the, I mean, they're they're very close to the, the Chinese government. They're close to the Cuban government. They were defending uh, the Cuban government over, um, you know, the, the Cuban people who are suffering um, under communism. Obviously, they are a horrible group. They 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 are simply a the typical kind of socialist or communist group that loves um, to make money um, so that they can enrich themselves. Though they claim they're against capitalism, they love uh, money, they love the capital, so they can just profit themselves and, and exploit other people. I guess where I'm going with this question is, what does it mean to be a Christian? That's another great question. Uh, what it means to be a Christian is to believe that... Um, uh, is to believe the gospel, which is, uh, you know, the good news, uh, which is that Christ is, is God. Uh, he is, um, he is the, the uh, second member of the Trinity. We have to believe in the Trinity. You have to believe in basically all of what the Bible says, but especially you have to believe that Christ is a divine being, God himself, who was born by the Virgin Mary, um, a miraculous birth. Um, and then he, uh, you know, he, he, he was, uh, he lived a, a perfect and righteous life. And then on the cross, he takes the sins of those uh, who would believe in him. And then he gives them his righteousness so that on the cross, God can forgive people of their sins. Because God cannot simply say, oh, you've sinned, I'll let it go. That would be unjust, right? If, if I commit murder, a judge can't simply say, oh, you forgive me uh, or I'll forgive you and you know, let, let go. No, justice demands that I be punished. So Christ's death on the cross is him taking on my punishments so that I can be justified, I can be freed uh, without penalty because he takes my penalty. Um, that's what it means to be a Christian. But of course, that comes with implications, which is that I, 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 I serve him as my Lord and that I, I seek to obey him in all the things that God calls me to obey him through the scriptures. Uh, people who are perhaps on the conservative or right-wing uh, side of the spectrum, politically speaking, often fall into the trap of ultra-cynicism or being black-pilled. And I'm highly critical of that. It, it annoys me. Um, and I find that your outlook is what I would call white-pilled, which is essentially uh, taking that information and doing something with it. Oh, absolutely. Um, because, of course, it's always a good time to, for someone um, to repent and believe in Christ. But, you know, one of the things that's happened over the last two or three years is I, I you know, I, um, you know, not to call them out, but um, I think it was uh, Peter, Peter Bogosian and I'm um, uh, forgetting the other man. James Lindsay. Um, no, not James Lindsay, actually. It was, um, I'm forgetting, one of the brothers, they're two brothers, but... Um, they're atheists. I'm forgetting their names, right? Forgive me for that. But Peter Pergosian and some other atheists who would be lib classical liberals or maybe or centrist, uh, they were having a conversation on uh, on a podcast and, and they were saying 
sorry, I think it was like Brett Weinstein. Yeah, that's it. Brett Weinstein and uh, Peter Bogosian. And they were saying, how come all these woke people can't realize how uh, religious they really are? Like, these people are very religious, but they don't seem to understand it. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, Peter Bogosian and Brett Weinstein are also religious as well, too. Uh, just don't seem to realize it. Religion is really just a set of beliefs that you have, a worldview that you have, um, that you're passionate about. Now, for us Christians, we believe that the only one in true religion, of course, is Christianity. Nevertheless, everyone has a worldview. Everyone has a, a, a set of standards and everyone has a God, right? Of course, our God, I would say, is the one true, well, now I would say our God is the one true God. Nevertheless, there are different kinds of gods, whether it's Allah, whether it is uh, you know, different you know, uh, pagan beliefs, or even in atheism, where people have a certain view of you know, really whether they are the go- their own gods or mm. it is so-called science. Um, now, when I say science, I mean science. Like Bill Gates, exactly. Um, or for some, really, it's also um, Karl Marx. Um, but I, I say all that because we live in a religious world. We live in, in, in we live, everyone's people. You have to believe their views. You have to believe that their dogma or you are a bad person and you should be cast out from society or cast out in, into hell, their own kind of hell. Um, they have their own heaven, which is their, their communist utopia. You have the vaccinated, the, the vaccine zealots who um, also, are, of course, very religious. The vaccine will save all of us from doom. All of these things. I mean, even just this morning, Joe Biden was saying that, um, you, you know, for the, for the for the Americans who are the Southern Americans who are going to be suffering from Hurricane Ian, um, he's saying that they should be vaccinated. That's how they that's how they can prepare for the hurricane. It's insane, but that's that's what he said, right? The best one of the best ways to prepare for the hurricane is to get vaccinated. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's religious, uh, you know, um, you know, thinking the wrong religious thinking, but it's it's, it's a religion. Anyway, my point is this. We, this is a religious world, and you have to choose the one true religion, and that is Christ. And, you know, I have, I have a lot of people who've emailed me saying that, you know what, they were not religious in the Christian sense. Um, but what's been happening with, with these woke ideas, the, the vaccine issue, they're starting to think about, okay, what is the foundation for truth? What is the foundation for ethics? How do I discover what is just? And, you know, uh, well, not to pick on Peter Bogosian again, but uh, last week, in light of what was happening in Canada with that teacher who was wearing those huge prosper, uh, yeah. Prospect, um, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> that ridiculous, I know. It's, there have been videos of him walking around the city in, uh, in the Toronto area, and it's just insane. So anyway, he made a post saying uh, that, you know, most of us, we know in our hearts this is wrong, but we can't articulate why. Then I'm saying, well, if you're an atheist, you can struggle with that because, yeah, why? I mean, in some ways, at the root of it, you might say it's unhelpful, it's dangerous, you can say it's harmful, but you can't say why this harmful thing is really wrong or or sinful. As a Christian, I can say why, because that guy is made in the image of God. God created him to be 
who he is, which is male, right? And uh, hold on, hold on, Samuel. Are you a biologist? <laughs> I identify as one. Um, just, just for today, I'm going to identify as one. Um, but, you know, so, so, you know, of course, the main reason why anyone should be a Christian is because, frankly, um, you know, we are sinners and without forgiveness from God, without salvation from Christ, we will be condemned, um, you know, to, to, to God's wrath. That's the main reason. But of course, um, Christianity, the true religion does give a foundation for truth in our society and people are lost. People are, are realizing that, look, modernism created postmodernism. That's just, that's just the reality. Modernism itself cannot help anybody. There, we need to rely and trust in the only one. Because look, you know, we, we Christians, we believe that people are made in the image of God, which means that if you don't respect the creator of those people, if we are made in the image of God, if you don't respect God himself, you're not going to respect those who are made in his, in his image. So it's very important that we absolutely um, see God and see Christ in, the, in, you know, in Christianity. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I want to circle back to um, abortion because you've written a, a quite a bit about it. Mm -hmm. Basically, uh, this is the taking of an innocent life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's not a doubt. Um, we we know this. Science science affirms this. Mm -hmm. We know this. Um, you know, um, whenever uh, people are trying to, so whether it's IVF, for example, when they when they're trying to, um, when they're trying to, uh, how do I phrase it? Um, when they're trying to help facilitate um, a, a baby's birth through um, uh, IVF, they're always trying to produce um um the you know um uh, oh sorry i can't think i can't think right now when they're trying to they're trying to produce um fertilization right because they know that's when someone that's when a person that's that's when we are we we become who we are a zygote is not um any a zygote is not some folks may not know a zygote is uh it's when the egg is fertilized a zygote is not anything but a baby. A zygote is a baby. As I, all of us were zygotes. We were not the egg. We were not the sperm. We became who we are when we were zygotes. A zygote happens immediately when the egg and the sperm um, are, are fertilized into be, and that's where we have our, our human DNA. I say that because science affirms that's when life begins. But every single person who is aborted is a person is uh, is a living human and just to affirm this too uh, i think it was just a couple of days ago um nbc news in uh in america they had a segment where they were talking about how apparently scientists have discovered that babies um can uh they can taste you know whatever their mother eats they, they react to it and they can tell through the ultrasound or something like that um and they're saying and, and as we were speaking about this um, fetus, they call the fetus a baby. And it's because we all know the people in the wombs are babies. All of us were babies, of course, before we were born. So, um, so yeah, it is an absolutely a life. Abortion kills a life. Abortion is not just ending a pregnancy, it's ending a life. The problem 
though, Samuel, um, is that you you're called a bigot uh, if you express these views. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, um, they call me a bigot if I say that it's wrong to hate white people. They call me a bigot if I say that black people should not receive special treatment. They call me a bigot when I say the truth. So they can call me whatever. Uh, they can call. I'm, I'm not afraid uh, to be called uh, names for speaking the truth. Um, in fact, the people who are really bigots are the ones who think it's okay to kill a baby. Um, it's as simple as that. Um, I think it's wrong to kill babies. They think it's okay to kill babies, and that's not true. Um, you know, I women women should should receive help when they have unplanned pregnancies. They should receive help when they are struggling um, to um, you know provide for their babies. I was raised by a single mother in Africa, and you know this. Uh, being a single mother anywhere is hard. Single motherhood in Africa, that is that is especially difficult. Dude, living in um, Africa is is next level. <laughs> you, you you can't be a sissy in Africa. Yeah, no, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> but my mom, my mom, my you see how big I am. I was born massive. My mom had to feed me in Africa. It was not easy. It was not easy. So I I I know. I I've seen. My mom had to struggle. She had to go hungry many nights so that I could eat. Um, and um, I I know it's hard. But the reality is. It's always wrong to kill a baby, whether they are in the womb or outside the womb. What happened to your father? You you haven't mentioned that, but you keep talking about your your single mom. Yeah. So um, my my so I was born in 1987. At that point, Ghana had a communist leader, um, and um, he the economy was just was really terrible in Ghana. So I mentioned I mentioned that because my father was a businessman. He would travel a lot around West Africa, and when the economy really suffered, he suffered. So it was a missed that time that my mom um, got pregnant with me, and uh, him being frankly the coward that he is, he decided to just leave. He left. He ran away to Nigeria. No one has met. No one has heard of him since then. Uh, I don't know if he's alive. I don't know. Uh, what? Never talked to him. Yeah. Yeah, I've not talked to my dad um, at all uh, since I was born. So, um, yeah, so he he fled. Uh, his mom didn't know where he where. So my grandmother didn't know where he went. Um, I mean, we know he's in Nigeria somewhere, but we just don't know uh, what happened to him. Uh, we've heard that we that I might have two siblings in Nigeria. Uh, I heard I heard this because they actually came to uh, my neighborhood, my old neighborhood in Ghana, and they were looking for looking for me and they were nigerian so we figured that these nigerians with my last name fight you know tr looking for me they're probably uh, my uh my half siblings and it probably means that my father maybe isn't alive then um but yeah that's what you know so he he just fled and my mom was forced to take care of me uh, all by herself and uh that's it, it was it was extremely difficult but again i praise god that she did not consider aborting me she did not consider killing me which um, would have been a horrible thing to do, and that would have absolutely haunted her. But at the time, like many people do, she could have she could have believed or made herself believe it was the right thing to do to kill me, because then perhaps my father would have stayed, and then her life would have been, as some would, would say, easier. When of course it would have not been easier because she'd really be haunted by you know killing my baby. Oh, sorry, killing her baby uh, being me. Well, looking for your siblings 
in Nigeria was obviously the wrong place because your surname would have suggested going to South Korea. <laughs> they were in the wrong country. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? That 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 guy I saw, uh, that 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 Korean, maybe he's my half brother. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my brother my brother is Samuel. <laughs> um, oh man, it, yeah. Who who would you rather have as uh, uh, your your your? I want to say president, but you've got a prime minister. Uh, I was going to say oh, wow. Biden or Trudeau. Uh, it's an easy question, actually. Now. Uh, now it, it's a good question. Don't get me wrong; it's a good question. It's an easy because of because <laughs> of this. So, uh, as I've said, I, I I lived in Canada until just now, and um, <laughs> when I was moving here, I said, "Oh, great! Um, I'm leaving young Trudeau to come to old Trudeau, being Biden." And yet, I would still pick Joe Biden because at least in America, Joe Biden has real opposition here. Um, and he has limited powers even still as an American president. In Canada, Trudeau can essentially do whatever he wants. Uh, I mean, uh, you probably heard about how he ended the uh, the Freedom Convoy, right? He, he, he implemented um, an, an Emergencies Act, which had never really been implemented before, to completely make protesting peacefully illegal, right? He said it's illegal to protest, essentially. So... As bad as Joe Biden is, I would definitely pick Joe Biden over um, over uh, Trudeau. Rather have a useless president than than one who's eff efficient. Exactly, exactly. That's a, that's a better way to put it. Hey, listen, I'm from Africa, so we're very used to <laughs> in inefficient. and useless presidents. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I. I still follow what's happening in Africa, so especially what ha what's happening in Ghana and uh, West Africa, especially. It's a mess. It's 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 insane how we keep uh, we keep repeating the same uh, problems. You know what's interesting though about Ghana? Um, this might have changed in recent years, but when I last checked in the Freedom of uh, Speech Index, I think Ghana was the number the, the the leading country in Africa. I think South Africa was only second or third. Which is ironic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghana is, is, you know, is in Africa. I would say it's definitely one of the better countries. No doubt about it. Um, mm. And I've, I've always, you know, um, been grateful for that because we didn't even have a lot of the genocides that a lot of other African nations had. We didn't have a lot of the civil wars they did. I mean, at one point, especially in the eighties and nineties, you had like almost all of West Africa in a civil war, and Ghana was yeah. the only one who was like, we're the ones taking in all the refugees. So, but you, but you know you say, but you know you're setting the bar quite low when you're saying, well, I was in a country that yes. like, like we were one of those countries who didn't have genocides. <laughs> exactly. So, so that's exactly. What I was gonna say we had some really bad tribal problems. I mean, there was one point where there was a, a <laughs> some kind of a dis, a dispute that led that led to 500 people from one tribe being slaughtered, but technically. It's not considered a genocide because I think a genocide has to be a certain kind of number. I think so. It's, 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 it's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. It's awful. My, my, my country wasn't so bad. Like our genocide was it wasn't that bad. 
<laughs> no, it wasn't that bad whatsoever. That's exactly we boast about it. We only had a genocide that killed five hundred people. We had a cool genocide. <laughs> it's, it's insane, right? It's insane. But you know, this is one of the things, you know, it's you know, um, you 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 learn to be grateful for little things because of uh, everything that's happening around or you know around the other nations. So, but yeah, so I, I don't remember any any infringements on freedom of speech um, in in, uh, in Ghana. And um, so, I mean, there's obviously a lot of corruption. Uh, Ghana's full of corruption, like many African nations. Um, especially, I think when it comes to education, we are I think in the top five or top ten when it comes to how corrupt it is, which is horrific, of course. Um, but at least on freedom of speech, uh, we are a lot more free than other nations. What are some of your uh, passionate talking points? Um, I, you know, as, as a Christian, um, you know, we mentioned uh, racism before. And, you know, racism really, the real sin in racism is partiality, right? It is, it's prejudice. Um, and it's really repeating the same thing that white supremacy uh, you know, um, did, which is partiality against people who are made in the image of God. White supremacy says that black people are inferior or worse than white people. And then critical race theory says black people are worse or inferior to, um, sorry, critical race theory says that white people are uh, inferior or worse than black people. And partiality is still the issue when it comes to um, abortion, it says that, well, preborn babies are inferior to um, to their mother. Uh, when, when it comes to the vaccine, it's, well, vaccinated people are superior to unvaccinated people. And my point is that I think we need to be impartial. We need to be just. Uh, we need to just look at all of, all of humanity and say that all of us are made in the image of God. And therefore, we should be impartial and fair to all. We should love God and love our neighbor. That was only one. <laughs> well, I think it it sums up a lot of what a lot of uh, the things that I care for. So I could mm -hmm. say some of them, and I could say some of these, uh, I guess, talking points in in um, in more detail. But in general, that would be the, that we should really, truly just love God and love, and love our neighbor. If we don't know what it means to love God, we're not going to love our neighbor, whether it's black people, white people, um, or preborn babies. Um, and if we don't love our neighbor, well, it's a sign, of course, that we don't love God, and that's going to destroy our society. Do you think that um, Christianity is 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 imploding, or do you think it's starting to rocket? Huh. Um, I think it's neither, in a sense that uh, the Bible says that uh, Christ will build His church, which right. is uh, all Christians, all Christian people, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, so for 2,000 years, people have tried to destroy Christianity. It's never worked. It's never worked. Um, the church will stand because we rest on God's uh, God's shoulders and Christ's shoulders. So oh, it's it's not imploding by any means. Now in the West, in the West, it's absolutely um, the, the the church is still there. Christians are still here, but there there's, there are fewer of us now than before, uh, and we are under assault. But we will never lose because, again, Christ has promised that his church will not be defeated. Do you think 
there's a, a, a need for Christianity to go back to grassroots, to stand firm on hardcore values and principles unashamedly. Oh, absolutely. Um, many Christians are doing this, but of course, they're the vast majority of people who say they are Christians are not doing that. A lot of people who say they're Christians um, will still affirm all the horrible things that it's, you know, that woke people are affirming. So absolutely, we need to, um, we really need to think about what does it mean to be a Christian? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say on racism, on politics, on justice, on partiality, on abortion, on babies? Um, so absolutely, a lot of us really need to think about what it means. That's what I've been doing. I've been trying to do that. I've been trying to call people to do the same thing through my blog, because a lot of us are thinking about uh, what does it mean, you know, for me to be black or white or yeah. to be a conservative or a liberal. In many ways, those things are important, but they're not as important as, of course, saying what does it really mean to be a Christian. In front of you, there's a crystal ball. What do you see? Hmm. That's, uh, that's an interesting question. I see, I see hope um, in that the world, this is not the first time. I, when I look at what's happening around the world, it is, it's tough. Uh, there's a lot of injustice, um, a lot of, you know, again, religious freedom is being infringed upon, freedom of speech is being infringed upon, people are being canceled. And yet I see hope because this is not the first rodeo. Um, we've been through this before in many ways, and and yet, and there are more people right now too who are seeing the truth, who are seeing the light, and who are fighting. Uh, so, what I see is hope. Where can I find you or your work? You can find me across all social media platforms at Slow to Write, um, and it's just how it's um, how it's um, you know said. Slow T O and write uh, as in writing. So slow to write, and you can also find me on Patreon at um, slow to write uh, Patreon as well too. Um, they can find me in my blog at slowtowrite.com. We need more people like you. Um, the, you are for for me an example of the white pill. Um, hmm. Talking to you inspires me, and it makes me want to be a better person. Um, it it gives me a jump in my in my stride and a smile on my face and i i want to thank you for for the writing that you do and and for just who you are hmm. well well thank you very much it's very kind of you um i've really enjoyed uh, coming on this podcast and you know i i'm always happy when i see africans um just being involved in these issues we need more africans uh you know doing this so thank you so much uh as a fellow black man i have enjoyed this conversation <laughs> <laughs> all right samuel don't go anywhere my name is germ this is germ warfare the battle of ideas if you enjoyed this podcast please visit supportgerm.com